I'm Art Miller. This is Art Class, and it's about to begin. Please take your seats. This is the Lake Forest Podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Lake Forest Podcast, a podcast about the lovely city of Lake Forest, featuring topics like local news, sports, music, people, food, and history. My name is Pete, and I'm joined by my co-host, Lake Forest history legend, Arthur Miller, and the school walker all the way back from Cincinnati victory tour. Did you, uh, <laughs> did you win something out there? Your daughter win something there? I, I, I didn't win anything. My daughter did. She won her, uh, Midwest junior championship for nice. Rose. That's wonderful. Yeah. You get a nice jacket for that. A nice patch. Yeah, and... She got a, she got a medal, but I tell you what, four years of rowing with this club, not one, time trial one, not one heat one, not one race one. And her, she and her boat crew got to the finals for their division. And their first win was a Midwest championship and her, and her last high school race. So it's kind of cool to, for four years, she gets better and better and, you know, never wins a race, but then there you go. Midwest nationals last race of her career. Makes it all worth it. And she crushed. I want to see the gold. Crushed the other boats. <laughs> so do you get like an oar or something, or is it a sailboats? What you know? Hey, it's got a little metal and a plaque. And, but right, well worth, checking. well worth it. Yeah. Good checking. Okay. She'll be telling her grandkids about it in about fifty years. Yeah, right. She can, she's not. She appreciates. She's excited, but she's not really. She's like, yeah, okay. Like, yeah, you'll you'll you'll, you'll get it later. <laughs> Arthur was taking attendance last week in, in class school. You weren't there, so you uh, you have one uh, one demerit. Please go well, stand. Well, my mom called the attendance office and they excused me. Oh, <laughs> that how it works in Lake Forest? Okay, got it. I'm working. Yeah, all you gotta do it. is call, right? <laughs> got to call, and then uh, here's a note: go get me some cigarettes at the store. Okay. Well, wasn't it Senior Ditch Day that day? <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Come on, we got to get back to our class. Hey, we have a we have a sponsor for the show, Dakota Insurance Group. They've got your back, Scoo. Why? Yep. Because that's what friends are for. Dakota Insurance handles all your residential and commercial insurance needs. Get a quote now at dakotainsurancegroup.com. Okay, one of the goals of the podcast for our listeners to learn a little bit more about Lake Forest. Well, who better to teach us about Lake Forest history than Lake Forest history legend, Arthur Miller. Okay, everyone, take your seats, fold your hands on top of the desk. Art class is about to begin. Hey, Art, how you been? Feeling better? Thank you. Good. Doing fine. Uh, oh, Scoo, stop giving him an apple. You're such a <laughs> stuck up. <laughs> it's got a worm in it. <laughs> We had uh, Casey Erlocker on the show a couple couple days ago, Art, and he brought up a couple things about Costco. He and Scoo were going at it. You picked up on that. You have a nice course outline for today's class. What do you got in store for us? Well, what I thought I would do, because he, really, he seemed really confused about why Lake Forest would even consider not having Costco or Whole Foods. And so, and I was just going to say that basically it's part of the DNA. It goes clear back to the 1850s, especially around 1860. They just, commercial was supposed to be on the fringes, if at all. 
Um, this, and that goes back to their original founding. So I was going to go through some about about five different points in the history of the town that show where they affirmed this basic control that they wanted to keep over commercial and yeah. over things that they didn't want. So I'll start out with the foundation of it. Um, the Presbyterians came out of the city to, to be here. As soon as the train went through in 1855, they started, they, they organized a Lake Forest Association to buy land uh, from the farmers. Most of the farmers were west of Green Bay Road and they wanted land east of the Green Bay Road. Uh, farmers were, um, it was all wooded and they wanted those irregular patch, patches on the east side. Farmers would only sell if they'd take some of the flat land on the other side of the tracks, so they did. But the main plan was done east of the tracks and it was by Elmer and Hotchkiss, 18, he was hired in about October of 1856 and he turned in his plan in March, late March of 1857. And it was registered by, after it had been surveyed, it was registered in July of 1857. So it was about 285 lots east of uh, the railroad tracks. There was a skinny little line of them along what's now McKinley Road, opposite the train station that they thought maybe would be for businesses. And then there were some straggly places uh, on the streets over on the other side. Uh, by 1860, uh, two things happened. The university part of the community that was founded at the same time hired uh, James Anderson, a Scot, to um, clear the land for where they were going to put their educational institution on what's now Lake Forest College's campus. And when he got done, they said, actually, we don't have any money to pay you because of this little recession we're having. We're going to instead give you land. They didn't say give you land nobody wants. We're going to make you take this piece of land. It ran from the middle of Market Square today down to Vine Avenue. That was their farm. All I'll tell you is that about four generations later, there's still a daughter of Stanley Anderson, the architect, that's still getting a check from Northern Trust because of that farm. <laughs> so um, no You got to find her, Pete. Yeah, that was pretty cool. 160 years later, still getting a check. That's not a bad investment. So, Just wet my uh, beak. Yeah. <laughs> she's single? <laughs> yeah. She's a little past your time. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll, edit that, we'll edit that out in post. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No talking in class, school. All right. And, uh, and the other thing was, one of the big Chicago um, businessmen named D.R. Holt was going to build a house on at 570 North Green Bay Road. He was in the lumber business. I'm sorry, North Sheridan Road. He was in the lumber business. So he wrote a letter to the Lake Forest Association and said, but I'm not gonna build my house, which was gonna be brick clad in timber. So it didn't hurt his reputation as a lumber dealer. Um, I'm gonna only build this house if you make sure that there are no businesses east of the tracks. So they already had a couple of businesses um, over by the depot, and they had to close those. They moved over to the west side of the tracks. Anderson had started a little store, and he moved it over to where the Walgreens is. Well, first he moved it to where the Blackler building is, and then to Walgreens, still in the 1860s. This 1860 letter, no, build, no businesses east of the tracks. The town center was the college, 
um, the, the institution there. It was a high school originally for boys. And so that was the first thing. That when you think about it, well, how stupid. They didn't want any businesses handy. Uh, they only wanted them on the other side of the railroad track. That was how, that's one of the early first things. The next big thing about Lake Forest that changed it and it dealt with this commercial thing was the Inwensia Club was founded in 1895 and it wanted things to be open. They wanted to have open space. They didn't want to have commercial and they wanted it to be very carefully planned. The, the land east of the, of the, in 1857 had been planned by Elmer and Hotchkiss, one of the few landscape architects in the West. And it was all windy streets with some arteries that helped filter people to the train station back and forth and then home again. But it was basically very landscape rich. The lots, there were 285 lots for this huge parcel of, you know, 1,300 acres or something like that. So everybody had a couple of acres and it, they wanted to keep that wide open again when they went west. So by 1895, the Inwensia Club bought a big farm that had been purchased by uh, the architect Henry Ives Cobb, and he built a house. And so they started a golf course there. Huge, actually, golf started in Lake Forest in the Midwest um, on Forest Park. There was a little golf course there, but it moved over there to, by 1895. And then by 1900, they had a fox hunting club or hunt that ranged out west, and they would follow they chased the fox on their horse horseback just like the english problem was they hadn't really gotten the farmers to buy into this idea so they were riding across their cornfields tearing up their crops so the, the farmers would say stop riding across my field and they would say how much for your farm and that's how the estates got started they bought up all those farms they just bought them up and turned them into estates and then they built on all the good land on the sandbars that I mentioned last time, the moraines. They built on, on Awani Road, Green Bay Road, Ridge Road, Waukegan Road, all the good places. And so they had these big expansive areas and it was basically a big open space range of things and they, they rode all over the area. It, it kind of got dented into by um, J. Ogden Armour who bought, 40, uh, bought about a thousand acres in from 1904 to 1908 or so but basically it was all wide open and he just didn't want people riding across his property either um the third big thing was after the turn of the century um these estates were forming and the ladies in addition to playing tennis and golf and everything else they also wanted to have gardens and so they got organized about organizing gardens they had a garden club and 1912, 1912, they had a garden club. 1913, they were one of the, they were the westernmost founding member of the Garden Club of America in Philadelphia. Basically, they were, this is before the women got the vote. This was like, which was 1920, They were able to uh, start organizing to teach themselves about gardening and design and everything and civic improvement. This was also following the, um, 1908 Plan of Chicago, 1909 it was published actually, Plan of Chicago by Burnham and Bennett, which had been the city beautiful. So they wanted a suburb beautiful. They wanted this to be a garden city and they got organized. They quickly, Triangle Park was just a vacant lot when they started out, but they, they're the ones that turned it into a park in 1917. That was their first big project. 
1920, the whole national group in the 20s was organizing to fight signboards on the, the, the new highways that were going through as cars hit. Uh, cars were big by 1915. And um, General Motors was like Tesla stuff. Um, mm -hmm. It had gone through the roof. The roadways leading into Lake Forest were starting to have billboards, you know, buy this, buy that, and covering up the forest or the, the fields. So they said, we're not going to have billboards. And so they started chaining themselves to the billboards and all. And they used their um, persuasive powers and their new vote to convince the city fathers to fix it so there's no signs. And we still see that today. There's no, the signs downtown are very carefully controlled. If you're in downtown Lake Forest or in, out in West Lake Forest at the near sunset, you don't see great big billboards advertising what the business is. You have to, you have to sit there and you have to look carefully. Or Nowadays, it's not so hard. Everybody uses, you know, their map app to help find yeah. whatever they're looking for. But in the old days, you had to kind of know where you were going or else um, you wouldn't find it. So that was, that was the Lake Forest Garden Club. A huge one happened in the 20s. In the 20s, two big things happened. One, the first thing is they, the city hired, the, the city of Lake Forest hired Edward Bennett, who lived on the corner of Green Bay and uh, Deer Path, the southwest corner. The house is still there. They hired him to do a zoning plan. And he basically circumscribed the area where you can have commercial space. He drew a line just across the street from his house so that no one could build a, a, a gas station on the corner of Green Bay and, Sheridan and, and uh, Deer Path. That was the end of that. Um, there's just houses there. So the gas stations had to be further east. Nobody wanted to have them east of the tracks, any kind of commercial business. That had already been established. So they could only move east and west. They could only move north and south along the tracks with their commercial development. That was all they could do. That was that. As it, for later in the out. Uh, west further, they also developed a plan commission that would organize for people who wanted to make a development or something like that. They had to go through a plan commission. So that was by the later 20s. So those things were huge in controlling um, what we did. So we had, by the 70s, we were having comprehensive plans for the city. Uh, that's developed. That's the Route 60 corridor developed out there when they annexed that in the 80s. They put a 150, I think, foot setback on all those properties. And Whole Foods, when they wanted to come in, um, wanted a 25-foot setback. They wanted a parking lot that went right up to the edge of the road. Well, it wasn't fair to all the other people who had followed the setback that if, if you gave just Whole Foods the, the break, it, wouldn't, it was not fair. So this is, this is how that didn't happen with the Whole Foods. Whole Foods decided they didn't want to do it if they were going to be too scrunched and crowded. So they went to another location. The Costco thing was they were going to north of where Whole Foods was going to be on um, 60, down Field Drive or up Field Drive, they were going to use some vacant land back there that was still part of Matawa to put the Costco there, I think. They didn't want to have it. The neighbors west of, of, of Waukegan especially were upset about that. And it included Lake Forest Academy with the fantastic Melody Farm House there and everything, you know. So it was a very sensitive area. They said that they wanted a buffer between Costco and their residential district. Um, South, you know, Conway Farms is there and everything. So they wanted a buffer. Well, in East Lake Forest, a few of us said, well, you know, folks, you are the buffer. 
Um, but they didn't like that. Uh, but anyway, it was decided that the city would buy the property and develop it for their municipal services. But there was a real strong anti-business, anti-urban bias in Lake Forest going clear back to the 1850s that went all the way through the, the um, decision to have the, the Costco thing. Now, in between, uh, in the 60s, 1967, some laws changed on income taxes so that you could give land away and get a, land, a, a deduction for it. Um, before you couldn't do that. So they started Lake Forest Open Lands in 1967. By, by the early 70s, people were donating their the old estate properties um, to open lands to be returned to a natural state. The Ragdale property was one of the first ones. It was given originally, early, even earlier, to the Na Nature Conservancy, and it included virgin prairie that had never been plowed. I think the farmer was not too enterprising or what, you know, they never really bothered to drain the lower part of the, the fields to the west of Rag, the Ragdale House at 1260 uh, Green Bay Road. They put all this into conservancy. Open Lands took it over. For a while in the early days, in the 80s even, Open Lands Association, when they had a, a paid employee, Steve Christie, they used their office was in the basement at Ragdale with a view out over the prairie. That's grown to where it's like 800 acres of land. And so, and part of the sale, the selling of that idea of having all that open space was every time you took and made an old estate backyard into a conservancy space, you saved the city having a whole classroom of kids living there. Uh, so everybody's taxes would go up as those places were built. And to keep taxes down, they would, people would rather have the land in conservancy. So you see all along the, um, the Skokie River, which is the east twig of the north branch of the Chicago River, there's lots of this uh, preserved space. Um, and golf courses also. So the Lake Forest Golf Course is part of that uh, from earlier. It's preserved. Then again, it's across the middle fork uh, down along Ridge Lane. You'll find all kinds of preserved open space. They'd rather have it that way than have it developed. This is something that's just totally part of the original fabric of why people came here. It was a garden city from the day one, and they extended the garden city idea as they went west. So if you go up to the Norwood Country Club, you guys know that? You've been up on that territory? Scudas. Okay. Is that where you live? Okay, but that area was laid out by the same Edward Bennett that did the plan of Chicago, did Grant Park, yeah. did the, the river, you know, the Chicago River and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all by the same guy. And that little neighborhood there with those cool houses in it is laid out by the, one of the best, the probably best planner in the country at the time, 1925. They tried to get, they take the, uh, the East Lake Forest idea, push it west. So teacher, I'm raising my hand. Yes, I see well, sorry, I beat you, Scoo. So last week, when Scoo and Casey were having a little dialogue, yeah, uh, we, were, we were giving credit to Casey because he got Costco. It really wasn't even a debate because it couldn't happen anyways, right? Or well, no? no, yes, maybe. oh yes, they could have. <laughs> people were torn. People were torn. Um, I mean, everybody. If you have uh, twenty thousand people living in Lake Forest. You probably have 25,000 opinions about what to do about anything, you know? 
<laughs> people, were, people were torn. I mean, it was a big chunk of dope that would be coming into the, to reduce the taxes. But people who'd invested in Conway Farms, um, south of, you know, 60, um, north of 60, Academy Woods, um, all these people, they, didn't, they really didn't want that. And they were worried about the environmental impact of that gas station. Uh, of course, the gas stations, that's why they're paying a dividend. If you live in Matawa, you'd get a dividend. He didn't call it that, right? Casey had another better word for it. But they're basically paying their residents dividends. A lot. Teacher, <laughs> teacher I, I, I school is squirming. Either he has to go to the bathroom or he has a question to ask. <laughs> I do have a, 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 not a question, a statement. I, you know, I understand all that art, but let's be honest. Costco wasn't there because it was a political football and the city wanted the municipal center out there and they wanted Kelmscott built. Um, well, I mean, I think, sure, yes. <laughs> on the other hand, on the other hand, if the public had wanted to have a business there that would bring in a whole bunch of income. It would have been there too. I mean, yeah, but the 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 people didn't understand what was really going on behind the scenes. Well, there's always something going on behind the yeah. scenes. But the people, <laughs> their strong bias against right filling up things. There just was it. You know, if you look at Lake Forest, remember Sesame Street? Which of these things is not like the others? Costco would have been the thing that was not like the others. Just like. Whole Foods, not because it was Whole Foods, but because it wanted an enormous parking lot right up to 60, was not going to be like everything else. That was the problem. Teacher Art, how did the hotel, the first hotel in 92 years get uh, put over there then? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, because it's tall, it's a tall building. And I think they got panicky about um, not having anything. But a hotel is, even with its parking lot, is different than a supermarket parking So if you go over to the Melody Farms Shopping Center, you'll see Whole Foods has got a great big parking lot. They got people on both sides of the street uh, parking east and parking north of them. And it's a pretty big draw. I think a hotel doesn't require that kind of parking. Okay. Um, and large. So I think parking was a big question. I think the height would have been a problem if it were further east, but it was right on the tollway. And it's not looking into anybody's backyard. The problem with a tall building, if you have a house next door to it, is everybody's looking down at your barbecue. You know? I think you hit the, the nail on the head. The, the city panicked because they're yeah. losing and businesses are not gaining businesses. And yeah. Matawa was going to Put it up. And this was this was a business that was fairly compatible. It wasn't right. it wasn't in any homeowner's space, okay. It wasn't environmentally iffy like Costco's gas station one, because when you know like Costco moves out in twenty five years, mm-hmm. and then you're stuck for a thousand years with all that remediation. Yeah. So, but, I think- but you you remember with um, the Canals building, right? Yeah. They had to remediate. The na- and I'm one of the neighbors there, and I didn't raise any issues on it, but everyone around there screamed bloody murder that a restaurant was going there. When it, yeah. when it finally got up, guess who were the people frequenting all the time? 
that all the people screaming. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, Lake Forest has a history of that, screaming, screaming, yeah. then they get something and it's the greatest thing in the world. Why didn't we do this earlier? It'll be the same with Look Colonial. Right. Uh, everybody's screaming about it now, including me to some extent. However, whenever I tell somebody else outside of town, their eyes light up, you're going to have Look Colonial. Wow. You know, so I mean, it, it's good. And I think people are being more flexible a little bit, especially with the pandemic, thinking about how we can be more creative. Um, but the hotel, you have to remember, it is not the same kind of risk that those other two projects were. The parking and the environmental. They just won't be. Not, not that there won't be any parking. I don't know the hotel. I haven't been there yet. But isn't the environmental at Costco the same impact that it was if it was like a half a mile away in Lake Forest? Mm, no, it's the fact that you'd have land that you would have to remediate. If you wanted another business to go there. That's why the little gas station across mm. from the path in sits there because you'd have to take out the dirt down to China practically and then send it out to be cleaned and then bring it back again. It's ridiculous, you know. I guess that's a whole nother series there, Pete, is that, that Texaco station that just sits there. You know, that's prime land, right, Art? I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. But it's nothing's happening to it because mm. nobody paid to fix that property back up. It, it, crazy. It's crazy. And where the Shell station was, that's where the Deer Path Inn's parking lot is because nobody can build that. It, right. It's prohibitive. Yeah. We used to have so many gas stations in town, it was scary. Yeah. Seriously? Now like, we oh, now we can't get any. <laughs> you have to go to Costco because the stations are gone. And yeah. they, couldn't, they couldn't make a buck. One of the things that put them out of business was all the dealers offering, you know, service packages with the new cars. People in Lake Forest don't have a lot of old cars um, that, you know, mechanics fix. Yeah. So a few old college <laughs> employees would go there. Like, you know, I wonder who I'm thinking of here. But, you know, they would go to those gas stations to have their car fixed. But most people would take their car to Canals, uh, which is uh, out on 41 now. Yeah. But when you come into Lake Forest, if you come in on 60, you got 150 feet on every side of you that's got no development on it. When you come in from uh, the north, after you pass canals, you got nothing in Lake Forest. You've just got open space along 41, all the way down to Highland Park. And then you start to pick up your auto dealers again when you get down. There's an accurate dealer down there and a few mm -hmm. used, used car lots and stuff. If you come in on Sheridan Road, coming north, from Highwood, you're, it's like driving through a park. You know, it really is. And you, what it does is it gives you a sense that Lake Forest is separate from all the places around it. It isn't, and that's this landscape perspective of a sense of an entry into the town. Whether you want, it's again, you know, if people understand what it is or not, but it subliminally tells people where they are. And, what, and that's what Paul Fields Foods was trying to do, was to upset that balance about what Lake Forest is. What would you have to do to get that changed? Setbacks changed? Yeah. Well, the problem is, you know, to do it for just one property like that, the other people all went to all the expense and followed the rules. So you got all those other people that are the property owners, and they're going to say, hey, why don't they follow the rules? Because we had to. 
So you, any, the voters can change anything they want. Right. Whole Foods. Didn't they approve setback after setback and finally Whole Foods just bailed out of it? Wasn't a real small setback that was left? No, I don't think there was no. that. I, no, I think it, there was still a pretty good setback. Part of the problem was, if you remember, Don's, famous, uh, Don's Finest Foods. Love that place. Goes back, had its roots back to 1867 in Lake Forest. March of 2008, the bank came in at five o'clock one afternoon, seized everything. They were out of business. Remember that. The preemptive strike before the recession, remember when the crash came? They were trying to clean up their balance sheet. So they just closed them out. So then what we had left was Sunset down on South Waukegan Road. And Sunset was viable, functioning, and doing well. We didn't have uh, Fresh Market hadn't gone in yet, I don't think, yet, when, the, when that issue was coming up. And here was going to be an outside national chain wanting to build there uh, versus a local chain. Sunset's like five or six or eight stores, I don't know. But it's basically a local chain, North Shore chain. So I think a lot of people just thought we're losing our local identity when we go to just a national chain like that, too. So there, there were pros and cons. There were people on both sides of it. But I think what the city wanted to do, what you're saying, probably made them biased toward that. But enough people were biased toward not undercutting the local chain with a national chain that it, it pushed it in that direction. Uh, if Don's had not gone out of business, you know, just recently before that, I think people would have maybe not been quite as maybe nervous about Whole Foods, but you know, a whole, uh, any national chain can undercut a local chain. So Art, you brought up the new tavern, Oaken. We had Bill Terranova on. Mention Scoo's name, go there at five o'clock and you can participate in the Oaken Five. They have five entrees and drinks for $5. Just saying, if you want to so partake now, over there. I wanted to go to Oaken. The address is? It is right next to the Forrester Hotel. Go to city, the new city offices, city hall. Okay. And it's right oh, there. Right there. Okay. All right. Okay. Fabulous. We need stuff out there. That's great. I, I was there. I vouch. I vouch. I was supposed oh. to buy school lunch. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> <laughs> Alligator arms. <laughs> so, Art, what's up with these lawn signs that, that, okay. that are not uh, in front of my or school's house? Yeah. Oh, you have them in front of yours houses? That's great. I, <laughs> I said I anyone said that not. tries to drop one gets a BB gun in. <laughs> no, no. But they, see that the, the city has uh, lots of regulations that they put up. And yeah. every year, not this year because of COVID, but every other year, we've gone around and looked at all the different kinds of changes that have been made in town, all the places that have been working on preserving their places, fixing them up and stuff. And the best, we, we have a bunch of architects, not Art Miller, but architects look at these houses and pick out the very best ones, the very best, and it could be gardens. Uh, in one case, it was a fence. It was a, a fence that was imported in the 30s from Saratoga, New York. Maybe like a pawn shop? No, 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 yeah, right. No, that's- That's, <laughs> that's what we should start, Pete. <laughs> that's a different business. Um, but yeah, 
There's a Dutch fence on, on Lake Road if you go north. And they got it because yeah. they fixed that old fence up, they got an award. So things that are done according to those things that are examples of the best stuff are done there. So if you go down Walk with Keegan Road, you'll see a couple of them. One is at Lake Forest Open Lands headquarters, which was the entrance to Melody Farm. There's a big gate, and they converted two of their little gatehouse buildings into education buildings there. Really did a beautiful job. Nice. The other one is further north, uh, just to the west of the hospital, across Waukegan Road. There's a big sign in front. One of those signs is by, um, I think it's 900 North Waukegan Road. That was the A. Watson Armor. Um, it was originally built as a service complex, um, but A. Watson Armor got caught in the whole armor debacle in the 20s. Mm -hmm. By the time he was rich again by 1930, they decided they liked living in these three little different buildings. And then had David ever build a tunnel between the two cottages. One was their living room bedroom. The other was their dining room, kitchen, and apartment for the cook. And then they had a garage. So those buildings have been beautifully restored with a garden by um, Craig Bergman. And so and that sometimes is open for people to look at and stuff. Sometimes. So, you, so you get that little white green sign in front of your house for that, or because you're awarded, you're awarded for the quality of the work you've done. Either if it's a new house, the quality of how good a house it is and how it meets the standards in town. If you've got one that you've just, let's say you have an old house, and all you've done is keep it looking good but in good repair, you get a preservation award. Ta -da. I do that all the time. How much, how much do those signs cost? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. I usually take them off people on our street and put them in our yard. Well, that's, that's a thought. <laughs> that's a thought. But Turn them so, in, Art. Turn them in. Yeah. If you, actually, if you go to the website for the Preservation Foundation, you can get a nomination uh, uh, form online. Fill in, you know, Pete Jansen's, your address. Stu Walker, I'm, I'm nominating you. Stu Walker, yeah. And in front of my town hall. Avenue, baby. There's some architects crawling around at some time later in the, you know, next spring, and they'll look it all over. And if you see them looking sad, don't count on getting a sign. <laughs> oh. What if I tape up? I'm from Chicago. What if I tape a $100 bill to it? <laughs> Yeah, well, it a, few, has, a few hundreds. Yeah, I was gonna say with another zero on it. Yeah, I think in Lake Forest you might want to add a zero or two. All but, right, we'll edit that um, out in post. Yeah. So in in in, in uh, nineteen sixty six, I was in Chicago and I went to get my first driver's license in Illinois. I'd just gotten a VW Bug, and I went. In, they told me where I was living. They said you got to put twenty bucks on the seat in between you and the guy. So I put my 20 bucks. Then in the 90s, I read a story in the Tribune about how outraged they were that people had, to, 30 years later, people had to put 20 bucks on the seat. I said, that's the only thing in Lake Forest that hasn't gone up in Chicago, it hasn't gone up in 30 years. <laughs> you can still get a license for 20 bucks. You, you gotta be careful. <laughs> who, who are you giving that 20 bucks to downtown? <laughs> Yeah, you know. yeah. Twenty, is not going to do much for you anymore. <laughs> no, no, but back in nineteen sixty-six, it was serious money for a student. So, school, how do you feel, man? Okay, did you get educated here? Or? I always, every time I get educated, 
I want to I want to know more about Oakwood Avenue. That was where it really was at back in the day, right? Well, there was everything on Oakwood Avenue, right? The, um, Delivery. The, yeah, the south end was old houses, you know. Then you came to, there used to be the uh, Buick dealers. You remember right. uh, Sonny who worked at Wendland? Yeah, Wendland. We had him on yeah. the other day. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not Sonny, but. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, they had a car dealer. Right. Uh, that was, that's what went through to make the big office building that's there now. Uh, you went further north. You had City Hall. You used to have a school right there across west of this. That there was the old, that's before your time. In the parking lot. In the parking yeah. lot, right? There was a school. You went further north. You went up toward, got toward West Park. That was all uh, a planned community. Is that where you live? Yep. Okay. So- I live in the old, uh, oh God, what's the name of the guy? Who had, Wells and Coppertorn House. Oh yeah, sure. There Leon you go. Wells. Yeah. yeah, sure. So that neighborhood was laid out by Howard Van Doren Shaw. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. The architect. Our house wasn't. <laughs> he laid that. The houses were not built by him. That, and partly, I think the reason for that was it was the Adderidge Farm property. And the people who lived around the corner, the uh, corner at um, Oakwood, where it ends, right, at Woodland, right. on both sides of the street, there was a cluster of all the relatives, the descendants of old William Adderidge. They all got out. Oh. And the they yours were- and all that? Yeah, 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 with all their names. And that Brooke Smith's mother, right? You know, she was an Adderidge and different people. And then right. uh, James Griffiths, who lived in one of those houses, he was a builder. And I think that the concept was you would go to this builder and you would get a stock home. So some of those houses were kid homes. Other ones were built from plans in magazines or, you know, whatever. But he was just a builder and he built nice four square solid houses. They're all there. They've been well kept. There's, I don't think any of them that look like they haven't been well kept, are there? I mean, I don't know about your house, but many of them are pretty good shape, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I grew up in a uh, Sears house. See? Yeah, right. And that's a National Register Historic District now. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't do it into your house, but it means it's recognized as a really outstanding uh, community. And it was the first of maybe three or four along the North shoreline there. These were all close to stops on the North shoreline. So people could walk over to the North shoreline, the interurban track, take, go North and South. They could go down to the high school in uh, Highland Park, Deerfield Shields High School it was then. Um, you could go up to Waukegan to shop. Uh, you could go into the city. Uh, I lived in the neighborhood around, it was the Ryan Crossing stop down there at uh, Ryan Place in that neighborhood. People could go, they could go all the way to the city on that and shop and stuff like that. They didn't need cars. And right. it, it finally conked out in about 55 along there because everybody by then had a car. But up until then, people didn't need one. They could just right. take that little train. Pete, your area was historic too. Where your house, where you are at? My house was a speakeasy. It was. Was it? Yeah, it was a Scottish sweet speakeasy. The guy that lived there was Alex Kelly, and he had been one of the two teenagers that brought the first Angus cattle to the U.S. in 1879. Brought them for the Anderson family, and they grazed them over where uh, Egg Harbor is now. <laughs> that was part of that Anderson farm. Wasn't every other door speakeasy? Well, there was, every ethnic group had their own. 
See, so the Scots had theirs. That's right. African Americans had theirs. Theirs yep. was the liveliest. Theirs was the yeah. liveliest. You could do a movie about it. And then the Scandinavians had theirs. There was one in the basement of what's now um, the Federal Bank. I think what's it called? Federal something bank. Next to Starbucks. Yeah, there was yeah. one down there. So, yes, everybody was having a little tipple. You know. So, so Professor Art, uh, <laughs> next week, next week we have Carol stopping by. I think that Carol Summerfield. I think that'll be kind of interesting. Uh, oh yeah, she's. You know, we, we could continue about some of this landscape stuff too, because uh, she's working on a big project with. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's let's not let's save some ammunition for uh, for for next week, Professor. If it's okay with you. Uh, Scoo's got to get to his job at the A&P, or what was this? What's the store back? <laughs> National. National. I, I worked at the A&P. I did, Pete. You know, don't be yeah. laughing about that. <laughs> no. So when we bought our house on Wildwood Road, we went there, and the, we bought it in the gas crisis of the 70s. And yeah. we bought it because we could walk to that store yeah. that was where Egg Harbor is now. Remember that? Oh, Scoo? yeah. And you could walk to the train, and I could walk to work at Lake Forest Conference. So, we, had, we had multiple hardware stores. We had multiple gas stations all in town. It was great. It was thriving. Now it's empty. Yeah. Well, we still have a pretty good uh, hardware store down by Sunset. That's That place is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. But I'm talking right in town. Oh, yeah, yeah. O'Neill's and oh, yeah, Wells, we, and, Wells and Copperthorne. They built me brand new. Um, they built me a brand new wood a uh, storm window once from scratch. They were fabulous. And they redid my screens. They had two lumber yards. I, I would have so, never gotten a job at the store. I would have been the kid hustling next to the ladies, grabbing their bags to walk them to the car to get a tip. You just had to, you, had, you had to get a friend that worked at the store and can hustle beer out in the back through the garbage. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that, yeah. Oh boy. All right. Good. <laughs> we're we're at time. We're at time. <laughs> Prof Professor, thank you so much for another outstanding class. Thank you, sir. Scoo and I are less dumb than we were when this show started. That's well, something. You guys. Yeah. <laughs> so at least I mean I is that even a phrase? I hope Casey heard. You know, here's at least understands why the Lake Foresters played into his hands. You know, <laughs> which we did, hear, and, and everyone that lives there loves it. <laughs> yeah, they're getting dividends. You hear that, Erlocker? Yeah, we told you so. <laughs> Thank, we, thanks we for didn't want it. We gave it to you. Yeah, we yeah. gave it to you, Casey. Yeah. I know you're listening out there. <laughs> thanks for listening to the Lake Forest Podcast. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Let us know what you'd like to hear about in the upcoming shows. Again, I'm Pete, and it can be reached at Pete at LakeForestPodcast.com. The link will be in the podcast notes below. On behalf of my co-hosts, Arthur Miller and Scoo Walker, we thank you for listening. Art class is now over. Cue the band. <laughs> <laughs>